All right. Great to see everyone. Uh, we are a few office hours um, short. Uh, uh, you know, we had some long meetings, lots of planning. You come to the end of a quarter, you're planning out, you know, reviewing, reflecting, and then also planning your next quarter. You stack some meetings on a Friday, you spend an hour and a half, two hours in calls, and then you're like, do we want to do this and reiterate things publicly that we just uh, discussed? For a couple of weeks, the answer was no. Uh, we are here now. Nice to see everyone again. Um, I am sitting. Uh, Nihal, I took an inspiration from you where I'm actually targeting individual body parts uh, in my workouts now. And today was leg workout day. So I cannot stand anymore. Uh, it's done. Um, I'm Tyler Bryden, CEO, co-founder of Speak AI. Um, lots of stuff happening in the last few weeks um, and excited to go over that today. Anything that's really sticking out? No, I'm good. I'll do a little round of intros and then jump, jump into some topics here. All right. Uh, it's been a long time. Uh, this is Watson, CTO at Speak AI. Uh, been working on a couple of things. A couple of new updates has been you know, posted to production. and uh, some research work at the same time, a couple of interesting stuff happened in the last uh, couple of weeks. So uh, yeah, let's dive in and uh, excited to chat more about it. Nice. Um, hey everyone, Nihal, digital strategist here at Speak. Uh, it's been quite, uh, like I think, three weeks off at this point. Um, so it'll, it'll be good to get back into it and uh, happy Earth Day. Mm, yes we did not do yeah we didn't do anything and we're and all our images are white and then surrounded with plants so i feel like we have not done our contribution but yes happy earth day we love you plants we love you earth uh at the very least go out and enjoy some uh here after after the, the call today lauren go ahead sir sure yeah this is lauren i'm the accountant here and yes happy earth day i'll go outside and hug a tree after this beautiful uh, we had a stack of um, uh, unofficial holidays this week, um, uh, Bicycle Day, 420, Earth Day. What a green week. Uh, what a wonderful thing. Um, all right, let's uh, jump in. We'll uh, go alphabetical order and numeric order here, affiliate program. Uh, affiliate, if I had titled it referral, then it wouldn't be first title, but uh, whatever. Um, this is something that has been in the pipeline for quite a while. Didn't really have all the pieces in place to execute on it. Um, you know, lots of variables, lots of things to consider about it, but is something that has come together nicely as we reflected on Q1 and then planned out Q2 and said, hey, what's the greatest impact we can make quickly? Um, and would love to just hear, hear your guys' perspective on it. Anything that you've learned from this process any recommendations if someone's watching this and thinking about trying to uh, build their own affiliate program with the consideration in mind that we haven't even launched it yet. We have no idea if it will be successful <laughs> in its current state. Any thoughts, any insights on, on that uh, journey? Did we cover anything before on the affiliate program? Uh, okay. We haven't had so, a I mean, office hour yeah. since I think our OKRs, essentially. Okay, okay. <laughs> so uh, it would be great to, you know, to the listener, like even for us to retrade uh, what does this program for? What does that you know mean to the listener and uh, how they can get the value from this? I'm gonna let Nihal take this. He's been a spearhead uh, of this uh, of this project here. Yeah, uh, where to start? So, I guess inspiration for doing this, or you know, build, building up this. Uh, let me move us over here. Otherwise, I'm going to get confused. Um, <laughs> so uh, inspiration here was, you know, we've uh, been seeing a steady flow of new users coming in. We've, you know, last month we had our highest number of signups. 
not sure if we're going to hit that same number this month, but you know, at the same time, I still think the our our traction has more or less remained the same. Like we like the subscriptions and number of people that have onboarded. But the next <clears throat> level for us was okay. Obviously, we are somewhat limited in terms of human capital and how much you know direct sales. Let's say our team can handle, and we have a large number of like you know very involved users who would be amazing you know referrers or uh, people that can help us actually share speak with other people that could find use from it but, but you know at the end of the day no one really does things entirely out of the goodness of their heart so uh, and everything's a business so it's you know from one business to another <coughs> that's an individual or an organization we want to give people an opportunity to you know help us sell speak and get speak into the hands of other people that might find us useful. Uh, and in return, you know, they get to cash out a nice little check uh, from that sale as well. So that was kind of the inspiration there, you know, try to expand the channels by with by which we get people to come to, to our site, check us out and hopefully convert into a paid user. Um, you know, we, we did like a bunch of the initial setup was around finding a platform that could help us manage everything that we needed to do in one place. Uh, we came close, uh, but as is the case with most software products, like some platforms will have, you know, 80% of what you need, but it's missing 20% while other platforms might have that 20%, but then they don't really have the other elements. And we ended up settling on uh, testing out uh, a rewardful, which will basically help us manage everything from uh, creating an affiliate hub, creating personalized links for any affiliates, and then tracking their commission payouts or the payouts that they're due. Uh, only element that's really missing through the platform itself is direct payments to uh, affiliates, which I do believe is in their pipeline. So I think they said Q3 of this year, uh, they plan to have that live where we could actually- next, next year. <laughs> which means next year, exactly. <laughs> which means, you know, at that point, we could hopefully pay out people directly through uh, the platform uh, and eliminate that kind of tiny piece of manual uh, work we still need to do on our end. So that's piece number one. We sorted that out. Then the next step that I think took us quite a bit was figuring out the adequate commission percentages. Uh, what is, you know, enticing to someone that wants to be a speak affiliate, but at the same time still leaves us with a uh, decent room, uh, for, uh, well, not losing money, right. We still want to be profitable. So for now, you know, we've kind of found the sweet spot at uh, around 25%, uh, which is what, you know, Vassal and I got into a short conversation earlier, but we can expand on that uh, in a bit. Uh, we're 25%, right? We think it's, that's a pretty hefty, like, uh, commission, especially based on some of the deal sizes that we see coming through, right? Like, you bring us a customer that is a thousand dollars a year, for example, and you can basically you'll basically be walking away with two fifty. Uh, I mean, which will probably be paid out to you over the course of the year, but that's still a pretty nice chunk of change for you know just sending someone our way and us doing the rest of the work essentially. Um, and uh, so that was piece one. We've sorted out the pricing and the affiliate structure, figuring out an incentive for affiliates to actually offer their end users or their audience uh, or colleagues, whoever it might be. Uh, I, I, I think we have settled on, uh, you know, the incentive that we are going to provide. 
uh, but we'll test and improve and see if we see any resistance or you know if things don't gain traction. And the final piece here, which is you know ongoing, is um, the actual launch and post-launch support both for affiliates. And for this, um, there's this idea of creating like a resource hub for these affiliates, for our affiliates, where um, we're ideally providing them with, you know, uh, like a breakdown of uh, what Speak is, what Speak does, provide them with content ideas, provide them with marketing support in, you know, whatever capacity we can. And then hopefully, you know, like I'm not, I'm, because it's not my strongest suit, it's not where I'm putting the majority of my effort, but actually even providing certain creatives that can either live on, you know, their sites, live on their like you know, signatures, whatever that, whatever they choose to do uh, and try to gain some awareness and traffic through that. So, you know, I, I think those are the three pieces there where it was like finding a platform to host the affiliate program. The second piece was figuring out how to make all the numbers work. And then this third piece is just how you actually set up your affiliates for success once they've actually signed on. Cause you know, we want to help them make sales cause otherwise why would they want to promote us, right? Like if they're spending their time creating content or talking about us and no one actually buys our product, then eventually we're just going to lose any affiliates that come our way. So, um, it, it's, it's, it's definitely an interesting dynamic where, you know, we're essentially going to get some help in a way, like we're outsourcing some of the sales efforts and the marketing efforts, um, or, or just broadening that net, not really outsourcing it. And then it's up to us to actually work on keeping and converting that user once they actually end up, or, or you know, a potential customer once they actually end up coming to us. So it, it, it's been interesting. Um, there's also been, you know, other things on the go, um, but that's kind of been the main, main focus. And next week, we're going to kind of reach out and, you know, reach out to a couple of people that have uh, supported us along the way so far and who have shown interest in some sort of affiliate or partner program uh, in the past and, you know, basically give them first dibs on taking advantage of this before we actually roll this out to the general public. So. Uh, short little breakdown. Uh, I'm, I'm not sure if, you know, along the way, what we found to kind of be the maybe biggest blocker, some of the worries that we've hit along the way. Like, I, I, I know, you know, like Lauren actually mentioned that at some point uh, that he's, he's not the biggest fan of this push because uh, there's more, very likely going to be a lot of admin overhead that actually gets... Uh, that, that actually is involved in this entire process that like, you know, maybe we're not considering or we don't see just yet because there's no one coming our way just yet because it's not live. Um, but, you know, I feel like that's a learning experience for us too, where if we get a sudden influx and we can't handle it, then, you know, we, we kind of know that, okay, next time we, <laughs> this is a serious point of consideration that we need to, you know, account for in future campaigns and future, uh, future initiatives as well. And, you know, I think the thank you. That was a wonderful overview. I think, you know, one of the things in that is just like continuous transparency, open communication, 
whoever those people are who engage, whether it's someone signing up, whether it's the affiliate, we're doing our best. Everyone's doing their best. If there needs to be adjustments made, we do it and we do it, um, you know, as, as best, as best as we possibly can. The other part that you sort of alluded to, I think is this, um, just this, you're trying to build a win, win, win situation. You know, uh, the person who gets the, uh, you know, affiliate needs to win. Why would they promote us? You know, they have credibility. It's like, so it's, there's two sides. Like, why would they promote us? So obviously there's the revenue capacity for them. So that needs to be rewarding enough. And then there also needs to be the trust in us that we're going to deliver on the services that then they are promoting. So that's one layer there. If, if we do that, and they get the revenue they want. And then the person that they recommend ends up having a great product experience. That's a very happy scenario that is played out. That's a happy scenario for us too. So that's why we're willing to give out this commission percentage and you sort of play out these costs of, okay, well, what happens if we have to hire two sales reps who could do this same thing? And, and, and you realize that some of these affiliates if executed right, uh, have a much higher level of scale than even a salesperson um, could hit. They might have pre-built audiences, whether it's social media following, could have hundreds of thousands of website visits. You get embedded on the right page in the right place there with the right copy. That can be a pretty powerful combination for us um, to do. And then I think, as you said, like um, every, every, everyone likes a, a deal or an incentive. So that other part for an affiliate to be able to provide, uh, you know, another layer of, Hey, use my link right now. And this is why I think that's an, another important value add that needs to be done. We played around with different incentives. And I think our business model is maybe a little bit different than most, but there was certain combinations of incentives, commissions, and then say annual plan discounts and things that led to a, a risky situation for us. So I think that's something that you need to, if anyone's looking at embed, you know, building out a refer, referral or affiliate program, play out those actual scenarios because we almost sort of proceeded without doing enough due diligence on what could happen here from a price standpoint if you actually stack all this stuff together. <laughs> Very quickly, it was like, oh God, this is not going to work out the way that we want it to. And we had had a previous experience like that through AppSumo where they wanted us to give like lifetime, um, like both li so lifetime access to hours plus a, a massive discount plus a 30% commission on top of that. And when you stack that, those numbers just did not add up. And so we had some of the same experience. And so we had to throttle and make some calculations to get to a spot where we all felt like was a win-win there. And, and feeding off that, because I think one of the, you know, when considering some like this isn't necessarily affiliate directly, but let's say on the uh, lifetime or limited time deal side of things. Uh, I, I've actually noticed this trend where a lot of times there's reasons you won't necessarily see products that are doing, let's say, more advanced work or uh, working with more complicated types of data or media uh, on platforms like that, just because there's so many costs associated with providing, you know, some of the services that we do provide that we just realistically cannot offer it within the same scope as someone, you know, a, a company that's offering one thing, right? So th that's why with this whole explosion of these like GPT-3 based tools, like it, when you actually look at the, like when you look at OpenAI's like, uh, you know, cost per credit or whatever, like these companies are milking it. Right when when they actually charge their customers, like they're they're adding like a six, seven, eight x premium on what those credits actually cost 
directly. Um, well, and because a lot of times it's just working with text, let's say, where, you know, generally speaking, that is a, a cheaper medium. It's less heavy to work with versus for us, you know, um, there's so many costs associated, not only with the analysis and transcription of like audio and video files, but then you have your storage costs, your processing costs, um, all these things that just feed into a very different business model uh, and even like, you know, marketing plays that we can actually do. Um, so I, I think it's really interesting um, when you first think about it, like we said, right, we wanted to just give blanket, you know, this percentage to the affiliate, this percentage to the end user. And then by the end of it, we're like, okay, we will be, you know, we, we there, there won't be a company in two months if we did this, yeah. essentially. So, yeah. Yeah. And that's the word, Nihal, you mentioned about the, you know, the business model. I mean, that exactly what depends on like cracking this deal or like, is that worth it or not? I mean, we see the other companies, they are promoting on, again, that could be the Epsom or any other programs. But, uh, you know, when you look at from the upper view and like you put the numbers on paper, those are not going to be add up. And like uh, Tal also before, uh, this call I anyhow we're talking about uh, sort of the even not just for us but anyone like what how do you define the percentage for this affiliate program or what is the definition of that mean right it's like okay of course you can do all the calculations uh, you can go through you know what is your business model what are the costs associated with that and then you decide that okay this percentage makes sense that could be in the range of 10 to 30 percent let's say or 5 to 30 percent uh, but okay, looking at the landscape of, from the market, it's like, okay, this company does support X percentage, Y percentage. Is that also mean that, okay, we also need to follow that path or based on the numbers, do we want to, uh, you know, decide that number? So it's like, what are the ways uh, you can make a final call for this percentage? Hmm. Trying to think if there's anything else to add uh, to this, but, uh, we're going to have more insights as this goes live, as we start to get uh, real customer feedback, Lauren, you came off mute, anything that you want to add to this? You've obviously helped us put together, um, what was some very sloppy, uh, Excel sheets by Nihal and I, uh, <laughs> anything else? Oh, okay. I understood what you're, I understood what you guys are trying for. I have a, a question. Uh, sorry, you've already uh, answered it in some regard, but I'm uh, just wondering, like, as far as like affiliate marketing goes, it's, uh, it's pretty like time intensive. It's pretty complicated. It's about quite a lot of work. Why are you choosing uh, this marketing like uh, initiative as opposed to like some other marketing initiative, like the more usual, you know, Google ads, um, generating uh, content on the website. Uh, why is this, you know, more of efficient uh, time, use of our time? Yeah, do you want to go for it? Well, my, my, here's my, my reasoning is one of the, again, is that you can tap into large, if you execute on it, right. Yeah. There could be some in, in work to say, get that link, say embedded on a website page or something like that, but there are downstream positive effects of it, which are, you could bring it to an entirely new audience who is trafficking those pages on, you know, high commercial intent queries or audiences that fit profile our, our ideal customers that link back in its own right sense contextual information to search engines, which will then lift the rest of our boat uh, for our entire website. And, um, you know, again, like say I would, so you talked about other marketing ones, like uh, Nihal could say, deploy a bunch of organic search pages, but we could see three to six months for those to rank and really start to have an impact. But if we execute properly on one of these affiliate links, we could, you know, end up on a page that gets 
15,000 views a month. As soon as that link goes live, there's opportunity for revenue generation, growth, awareness, all those things. So there's, I mean, a couple of ways that I'm thinking about it. Nihal, not sure if you want to add to that. Yeah, uh, I think all those um, traffic and, uh, you know, uh, through, people coming to our website is definitely one aspect of this, but I think the second aspect uh, also just ties into like brand awareness and a, a bit of like contextual brand building around, okay, what are groups of people that we can reach out to that could benefit for, from our platform? Um, and, you know, like Tyler mentioned, like there's people that have built out these communities or have built out audiences that trust them and, you know, have, they have a voice of authority in, in these, uh, in the audience's mind. So that's, that's a level of trust that for us to build would take, will, will take us quite a bit more time, right? And obviously us being the direct company providing these services and stuff, sometimes that can um, make users a bit wary. So this way, it's kind of like, we are not trying to like be overly salesy. It's just like, here's a useful product that could be added to your toolkit and it, in a way it is a bit passive like when it comes to like affiliates specifically it the whole idea is that it is a bit more cloaked and it is a bit more passive versus let's say something that's as direct as a sponsorship right like if we went to an let's say a voice ai newsletter and we were like hey we want to sponsor you um how much would it cost us to sponsor you to basically have you know a banner at the top of your newsletter being like try speak. And a lot of times sponsorships, because I, I was considering sponsorships, I was looking at some sponsorship opportunities, but even for like a small, let's say newsletter, right? Like someone with a list of, let's say 5,000 people, they're not going to ask for less than $1,000, $2,000, which I mean, at a certain point, hopefully that is negligible to us, but for, for now, right? Like that might not necessarily be within our marketing budget. So this way it's more like we're trying to build an engine that can scale without necessarily sinking more like direct money into it. So it's like, we're, we're, yeah, maybe putting a bit more time into it and setting up these systems that may or may not work. But it's, it's the idea is like on the flip side, if we do get this engine going, like all we really need is one really good affiliate to, you know, potentially send a bunch of very relevant traffic that also helps us learn about where, you know, where we maybe do better than the competition, where we need to improve to retain people. And I think, well, the hope is that we're going to get a lot of people that come through and actually help us improve our platform quite a bit too, um, which is always the dream uh, when you are working uh, with, a pro with a product that is you know, product-led and you're trying to get it into the hands of more people that uh, could benefit from us. So um, I, I think we, we kind of went into this uh, thinking about, okay, um, instead of, let's say, necessarily scaling a direct sales engine from our end, how can we create an extension of our sales engine and try to get other people to sell for us um, without necessarily hiring them on to be like speak sales reps? Right. And I think that that's kind of at the core of it. It's just uh, casting a wider net that we can potentially bring people in through. You know, when I've talked to people and also been plugged into the back end of engines where people have um, paid for sponsorship opportunities, 
And almost always the, the amount that you're paying is not what you get in return. You know, I've seen people pay $15,000 for a sponsorship and get three clicks to their website. Uh, and that's just not the, you know, we, we need to be more efficient and lean than that. Uh, so I think there are some, the way that we've set this up is nice. And we've set it up in the parameters where it's creating value for the affiliates, but also protecting our business, our model, our sort of circumstance um, within that. And I know I've shared a little bit about like this week, I've been doing some more personal outreach, but you know, a personal outreach to do a good job of that 15 minutes, 20 minutes that you're spending just on one message. Uh, and that's a, that's a lot, that's a big time commitment. And you can only do that. It's like, I, I don't know. Four times eight, uh, you know. Anyways, you can't do that that many times a day. So the, the amount of outreach that we can do actually scales really nicely. And I would also say it also becomes an additive offer for every single person who signs up for our platform. So even if they are not the perfect customer, they might know someone who is actually this is the fit for, uh, and immediately they can recommend that they that, and we can actually then work with companies to build them entirely new revenue streams. Like we're looking at marketing agencies, research firms. Some of these people were already sort of doing process this process manually, um, and now we're just enabling them to do it more automatically, generate revenue, and I think there's a, a big value add uh, on for a lot of these these organizations here. So I hope that our, our answers here are correct, Lauren, and that uh, we feel that we all feel that way at the end. <laughs> just <laughs> just to add on one last line is that you know I mean see the engineering also part of the creation of or the creativity right so as in in my belief it's like that's very true that marketing is same as that you need to bring some more creativity uh to come up uh you know with the more sales it's there's no there's no static engineering you can do it's it's just pure creativity experiments and uh you know see what's working what's not working and i think it's also you can say it's like sort of experiment uh with all this belief we have about uh, the program. And we'll quickly iterate on this. We'll learn very quickly, like uh, anything yeah. that we launch. And I think the other part is that, you know, we've seen demonstrated for something, even just as at AppSumo as a micro example, but you know, the, one of the reasons why they pitched us so hard to list our product on their platform is because it does really well. Um, those kind of products do well. They have, a, they have both a, a general purpose wide application that people understand and want to use. And, and then because of the way we've built it, you know, get language insights fast. And also with this no code perspective, it, I think there's some pretty powerful messaging to an audience there. And I think it will allow us to refine that audience even more as we see people start to test out the platform coming from these affiliate links. So um, you know, overall, I'm excited. I think you start to put yourself into this like everything you're doing with organic search, even it's like you're putting yourself into unknown territories of discovery that you might not be able to predict because someone just searches something one day, they find you, all of a sudden you get new customer. And, you know, uh, even in the last month, we've had Salesforce, IEEE, I got it, that's all, uh, uh, Ipsos, like big companies come through and self-serve through it, through a search mechanism primarily that there was no pipeline built. There was no, no, this is a contact we've had for six months that we're trying to woo into a sale. This is just search, fulfill need, sell. And that's, uh, that's what we want to see. And as long as we're creating value along that entire path, everyone's uh, kind of happy here. So um, let's parlay that into- Just, just, uh, just on uh, side note on that point about, yeah. you know, you mentioned this couple of organizations and, uh, you know, 
experience talking to the customer through the support platform the one thing i just realized that you know i didn't i mean we didn't receive any sort of you know any messages from this paid subscriber like you know on like okay how does this work or how can i even upload the media like if if you're like you know really uh put that way is like when they come up with the actual problem they know how to get on the platform very quickly and like you know it's like there's no actual uh technical or blockers they they have got so far on the yeah. platform yeah there's a there's a level of sophistication and understanding for sort of i would say more leaning towards an ideal customer profile that can adopt exactly. and start using the yes. platform very quickly and that moves us towards better value creation you know, less friction on sign up to subscription um, offerings. And I think, you know, we'll just, again, jump, jump into this next point of topic of conversation, which I know we may feel like we've personally beaten to death in our private conversations, but, you know, it would be nice to have a reflection in here, more of a public for anyone who's following along. And one of those has been changes to how we are doing pricing. And this has been a slow slow and fast uh, uh, change that has happened um, through insights in, in, you know, incremental lessons. And, and then more and more people who uh, are coming through with um, not necessarily different needs. I, I wouldn't say that, but if you configure something just this way, it creates more value and it builds a great relationship. And so um, just as an example, we've seen people who say, I, uh, you know, we're actually making this big transformation in our organization and we are starting to capture audio and video from events all across the world. And we want to use this for quarter link, but we're just not exactly sure. Is this, is this transformation going to be adopted by an organ, our entire organization and create true value where we can sort of commit to a, you know, a, a, a large annual plan, et cetera. So they say, Hey, can we subscribe for a three month trial period? Um, with these sets of features, so we can test to see if this gets adopted. It's it's in the past we had been more rigid, and and instead we say, yeah, of course. Like why why would we block that? And then it's now our responsibility to create value in that time, uh, and then transfer to you know the larger um, plan that we want to get to. So overall, this theme of personalizing people's plans or giving people the opportunity to tailor their experience of speak, their configuration of speak based on team size, the kind of media they're analyzing, how much volume that is, what features or solutions that they're asking for uh, has created a lot of value. We've been doing that through a very manual process and we're now excited to bring that into a much more automated, refined process. Um, so again, love to hear um, you know, some of your insights on that um, marketing perspective, sales perspective, engineering perspective, uh, business model perspective, all of this really came together pretty quickly. So it's uh, been an exciting sprint for us uh, and would love to, love, to, love to talk about it a bit. It's, it's absolutely exciting uh, change uh, I mean, for us as well as for the customer because at the end that creates the value and when it creates the value for the customer, that's the bottom line. And I would say that started like around a month and a half or maybe two months ago when like, you know, uh, you and like Nihal put this customized sort of the uh, active campaign form where like they can send you a message with all these details. And it's like, then I think so converted to the jet form or something uh, where they can choose all these different options. And I think so the momentum was already been started at that time. And like we, we see the lot of inputs were coming, uh, of course, to do some sort of manual work uh, to configure, configure those plan. And after that, the whole dynamic piece of creating uh, your own plan uh, creates a 
a lot of more values to the customer. Just give me one second. I think so it's in background noise. Just to add his vessels, tune it off. Like it went, some of the times went from fighting tooth and nail to get to an arrangement of a plan that the customer felt was worthwhile to, hey, I want to subscribe for an annual plan and thank you so much for setting this up for me. And when you start to have that transition with your relationships with customers, you start to ask yourself, like, are what we're doing in the current status quo, are we are we creating blockers and, and self-imposed blockers? Uh, and so the question that we asked ourselves is how can we reduce this, you know, rigid approach to pricing that we have to create more value? And that's where we've ended up today. Sorry, Vats will continue. Uh, I'm just for that. I mean, the, I mean, that's where I was talking about, like the bigger blocker was this transcription was right? Even if you look at the current pricing, like we put two, five times, like what does that even mean when I want to transcribe, let's say 15 hours uh, right now, I have all this media ready. It's like, oh, you can do for 10 for now and then on top of that, that's a five, right? So it's like already we are, you know, the explanation of that already taking us so long. So I think so that's another piece where uh, as a customer, I'm going to decide how much content I have, like how quickly I wanted to transcribe through the platform uh, that Speak provides. And uh, along the line is like, we see, you put it, the one, another point was like this recording solution, right? And uh, you see on the Google, it's on the marketing and the sales, it's, it's on the top uh, Google search results. And uh, we have an amazing input channel for uh, you know users to capture this recording. Another piece is like the integrations, the third is the uh, uploading this file. So this capture piece has already been there. And uh, with that, it's allowing the users to import a lot of media. And uh, with this customized pricing options too, I know what I need from the services. Sort of, you know, a la carte is like, okay, I, I like this, 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 uh, you know, let me subscribe. And at any moment I wanted to include, let's say another bucket of this feature, I can include as well, or maybe I can try for 14 days. And uh, I think so it's also the, you know, premium offer for them, for us is to also give them based on the user, some premium add-ons for seven days trial, 14 days trial, right? So they can experience that and can, and have understanding about how how does this work and why uh, when looking at the value they can get out of you know this uh, feature set. I will add one you know very like uh, had a pretty intense conversation about it as well as looking at it was like this um, sort of what we're now doing which is um, per pricing of a user model, which is something that we have never done in the past. We've done buckets of users. And in some ways that has served us well because it's been a differentiator. Other times it's, I believe, and maybe that's a subjective feeling, um, discounted or, you know, discounted what should have been maybe paid for as a premium for it by like, we have certain accounts with, you know, a lot of people in it every day using it. And, you know, there's maybe not that much of a hard, hard, hard cost to our business. In some ways there is, but there's a lot of value created there. And when you match value with cost and you do it in the right way, there should be a reflection and willing to move forward as a customer. And so that's something that I'm really interested to see how, um, you know, our prospective customers and customers react to um, that shift. I think as part of this process, anytime you're reviewing pricing, there is this very deliberate work to, hey, we're putting a lot of work in this. We want to keep this engine growing, we want to invest back into product development. And then you're also trying to say, hey, 
we have people who have been here since the very start supporting us and paying us every month, making sure that they're taken care of, making sure that they feel um, that if changes in pricing were impact them, that they, you know, they feel seen, they feel accommodated and those things. So I think if you are considering changing pricing in your company, make sure that you're accounting for those factors because you want to make this as smooth as transition as possible. And there is this sort of advice that comes out when you're doing your pricing, which is basically up, upsell your pricing until you start to, you churn 20% of your users. And then that's the point where you need to stop. That's the, that's the price point there. I don't think we're going that aggressive with that, but that's a really interesting um, insight that has been sort of given through best practices on, on modifying pricing. So um, we're going to learn, uh, excited to sort of take, take on this journey. And I, just as a frequently asked question, I thought, you know, we we're talking about what frequently asked questions, like we've made the per, price, per user price very insignificant because we're creating a bucket of hours that everyone can um, grab. So you're not getting a whole new set of hours for each customer. You're just giving a, a you know, an account wide hour or, you know, pool that you can then all use together kind of thing. So maybe that's something that just as I was, as you were talking about, so I was like, maybe we should, we should specify in our frequently asked questions about the per pricing per hours, not every user gets 10 hours, uh, kind of thing. So, um, Nihal, any thoughts? You've obviously put a lot of role and you know thought into this, and Lauren uh, as well too. And then uh, we're already at forty minutes, so uh, we'll we'll wrap this up and then maybe just do a little debrief on anything else, and then uh, let you guys enjoy the weather. Well, Vassal, you said it's. I guess you're at nighttime, but as you said, it's very hot. Uh, so yeah, it's a nighttime, you... <laughs> but in the afternoon, I'm, I usually go out of my home like after six thirty. Mm, okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I guess for. Pricing, it's, it's really interesting. Uh, you know, I, I think there's two trains of thought where one is you just present a very rigid, you know, we've made the choice for you, here you go, right? Three plans, no more flexibility. Uh, and I think that works really great for um, products that maybe don't have that many variables that go into selecting the best fit for you. Well, for us, uh, I think there's, a lot of variables that you know it, why do we need to be very like if the only blocker to an end user is you know oh i don't need x or i don't need y but i want everything else is it really worth losing that customer or prospect of customer just because we want to be i guess like hard stuck to you know what we've decided on what should be the price for that or what our bundles look like essentially so i think the way we're doing it and we'll obviously see you know how much friction it causes how like does it create a lot of work for us but i think our initial hypothesis and kind of the ethos uh, out of which this was born was how do we make uh pricing a part of the customer journey as well right like uh, them being able to actually build out a specific plan or build a, a bundle that basically works for their exact needs um and you know, at a price that is quite attractive, if uh, I'd say so, and uh, that also works for us. So it's if we can, if we have the capability to do that for them, why not give it a shot, right? Like if if it even if it like even if it adds you know five to ten minutes of customer support time, but you know it it actually moves them even closer to that actual conversion then I, I think it'll be a successful experiment and successful uh, project overall. 
And it, it's nice because obviously maybe once we hit a certain level of scale, maybe th there might be some, some things that, you know, start to break, but if that's not a problem for us right now, I don't think it's something that should hold us back. So. Lauren, go ahead. Yeah, I'm pretty happy with like the new uh, pricing structure, just the whole customization thing. I think it's kind of in the same vein of uh, what we we're doing like originally, like two and a half years with uh, the pricing, where we're just pretty much just charging for uh, just usage, really. So it's kind of going back to the whole, I'm only going to be charged for what I use here. But there's a lot more um, variability uh, added to it now, just because there's so many different features. There's uh, new teams, like uh, team members that you could bring on. So there's a lot more um you know just uh you you, you make the uh, the platform very unique to yourself which i feel has always been the aim that everybody's experience should be um you know tailored and uh unique yeah and it's, it's interesting because you know we are sort of i would say the general most adoption we are seeing is i would classify them as prosumers or small businesses, or then independent teams within large businesses. So it's still speaking, most of our services and offering the adoption that we're seeing is still speaking to a relatively small group of people who actually have the decision-making um, power in themselves. And like, I just think, yeah, there's no, it comes back to the sort of value creation for both parties. It's possible for us to do. And what's interesting is sometimes paper usage is a very, um, developer focused pricing model. Um, and I think we've sort of layered the best of both world, which is sort of this more consumer, you know, here's your buckets of software plans that you can pick as well as, okay, uh, the developer friendly only pay for what you use kind of thing. And I think we've blended that together as best we could, especially on a first iteration. And again, we'll continue to learn um, as, as we go along. And just one, you know, really interesting experience I had in 2019 at a Tech Toronto event was, there was a, a company that had sponsored that event and it, the entire company's mission was to personalize pricing pages based off data that they had about you. And so it would sort of like dynamically adjust your pricing page based on, you know, any signals, company domain, emails, IP, like all this stuff. And until that moment, I just thought most people were seeing the exact same pricing. It was sort of like a, you know, a magic trick that I realized like how much personalization and science goes into optimizing pricing, uh, especially at levels of scale. And they were also working, I would say, with larger deal sizes. And it gets even more and more intense at that level to make some of those deals go through. And if you're trying to sell a big customer at $100,000, there's going to be some give and take uh, to make sure that that, that is that win-win that situation, um, unless you're something that is that it's just like truly uh you know revolutionary uh and not to say that we're not uh but uh the other part that yeah, was like the static right. static plan doesn't work nowadays like yeah, uh, if no. you look at any any companies like if you if you stick to the static plan or the offers you provide and you ask them to pick from you know these three options that doesn't work in nowadays you need to give them an option of paper use it's like how much do you want to use this is how it's going to cost and uh, you know that number upfront rather than you know let company to decide what does that number look like and i think so that's a good time uh, i think so i came across an article i was like looking for a link but that article was talking about the the growth differentiation between these companies who go paper usage model versus the sort of the you know sort of the static pricing on their page uh, uh, like you know i mean 
that that's definitely so huge because now if you even talk about from the developer focus uh all this company like using aws google cloud or azure or ibm like all their pricing structure is pay per usage even if you're a developer or not you 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 are supposed to be in the business domain and you know the cost associated to your business and when you know even as a non-technical person uh, i'm just paying let's say ten thousand bucks to the aws for my usage like you are not paying anything upfront so i think so that's in everyone's mind uh, from the business perspective and uh, that's going to bring us a lot of failure another last point uh, Tara, you talk about like the the customer profile around the uh, this is from the of course the small medium business side from the consumer end but at the same time when you mentioned all this company about let's say the i3 reports right so all this company are like huge organizations and uh, and and the and the people are signing up are like coming from either the executive position or the managerial position where they have the rights to make the decision or put the credit card on the platform. So I think that there are two things. It's like of course as an individual, you want to use the speak, but on the other end, when these people are coming from the enterprise, they have the authorized you know power to use the company credit card. Uh, you know, for this type of services. So I think, so these are the business profiles also we are seeing that as well. Yeah. And I just think today, people as a consumer, as a buyer, you want transparency, you want that flexibility. And I, I personally, you know, I know we're still optimizing this calculator, but it's like, just to be able to click and pick what I want. Like, just as an example, I love SEMrush, one of my favorite tools, but I use 10% of the flow of the offerings that's provided. And yet I'm paying a significant portion. I wish mm -hmm. I could go just click. This is, I swear, God, this is all I use SEMrush. Just let me use this and let me pay $20 a month instead of 99. I would be so happy as a consumer, but they have power. Uh, so uh, go ahead. And, you know, use this app oh, uh, yeah. I mean, to, to that point, right? Like I think obviously at a certain point, maybe you don't even, you know, you, you don't, necessarily care about people that can't afford you right at, at a certain point you get to that point where it's like okay you can't afford us whatever but i think as long as you're in the position to be a bit more flexible um you're not you're not only generating uh goodwill like you said earlier right like we've literally had messages where people like thank us for the great plans that we build for them right which is a nice feeling like uh, you know as as a business you want your your uh, customers to actually feel like they're being treated like a human in that transaction, right? Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm excited to see how. And I mean, the, the actual calculator itself looks great too, and it's it's fun to play around with. So, uh, I feel like if anything, that that'll ha we'll have some nice on-page time metrics for our pricing page. <laughs> and it's a it's a differentiator that I'm happy about. And one last, you know, again, coming up on time here, there's one thing that I thought was really interesting that Vatsal talked about, which is just um, just this. Uh, um, so we've talked about it before, but this uh, obviously there's default categories and then there's this custom categories. And really to me, what this is a sign of is mm, the right, that we found the right customers when they're interacting with this layer of the platform. So I am research firm. I'm specifically interested in uh, research around um, climate change. I add a custom category about uh uh, you know, uh, in, in, like ocean environments. And then I put keywords and phrases specifically related to that. And, it, you know, it not, it's definitely, the word's not counterintuitive, but it's interesting because as a company, you are 
especially on what kind of company you are, you're, you're optimizing for revenue, profitability, sustainability, but other companies focus specifically on growth, maybe with some of the luxuries of, um, you know, cash reserves where their mandate is growth, they're focusing on product usage. And so when we look at this, uh, you know, this idea of, you know, how many customers in our platform have created the custom category? How many have created one insight? What is our total number of custom categories and insights? Uh, I just thought that was, you know, just was glad to hear that that, that is being adopted. And I think from a periphery metric, we're seeing people who have built out their custom categories, even stop a research project, but wanted to continue paying for the subscription because of the investment they had made into their custom categories and insights. And so like we had had a hypothesis before around the amount, the more media you put in to speak, the more less likely you are to churn and the more value that's created. A signal for us has now been, if you create custom categories, the insights, that also has that same impact. Uh, so, you know, making sure, you know, helping guide people through that experience and giving them the value and understanding like how complex of a process this would be doing it manually or through coding uh, is I think a nice drive and something for us to, to rally around. So just something I wanted to call out. Uh, yeah. Cause even like the one shortcut that Vassal talked about today, like uh, about how you can basically just paste your entire list of, you know, categories and insights uh, into speak and it'll, start uh, grabbing those insights from you throughout the platform, which, uh, you know, I was complaining, for example, like in SEM rush, uh, as an example, like there's so many, like as advanced and despite their large budgets, like something as simple as an easy way to like create filters and clean the data that you're kind of sorting through doesn't exist. Right. Versus like, we're letting people do that where it's like, you have this data set that you've, you've already built on your, on your end. We're not going to make you completely <laughs> hand type that back into speak, right? You can just give us what you need and you're off to the races, right? So I thought that was pretty exciting. Yeah, absolutely. And like, as we are speaking, <laughs> that brings another idea about, let's say if you, if, because we also have uh, the list of words, which can exclude, uh, you know, sort of the category. And in this case, let's say if you have the words in one column, sort of the include and exclude. And uh, you can also actually copy both of these in one column and uh, you can assign to the value as a one and minus one. If the value is minus one, that will automatically populate into the exclude category, right? But even, you know, coming to the ground level, even the trouble, like I wouldn't say that word, but like, you know, how we can make it much more easier or conveyable uh, uh, for the user friend that, hey, you also can use the shortcuts. Like, should we put like, you know, the shortcut label as, a, as it is? And it's like, you know, talk to them. It's like, oh, you can do this. You can click on this way. Uh, because like, uh, I was doing some analysis as we speak before too. Uh, but like, you know, I hope, I really, really hope people are not typing up the words manual because, uh, you know, probably next time I'll, bring some numbers, but like, when you look at the numbers, it's like, you would also be surprised that really, like, are, are these people are really typing? Like that just, I mean, I don't know. I just feel sad about that thing. It's like, I hope like, you know, I mean, how can we make it much more easier uh, in that way? Yeah. I also know this isn't like necessarily feature request time, but you know, like uh, to, to, to that piece about making it easier for people to find things, I almost feel like, uh, 
you know, you added this specific insight search, for example, right, where now people can actually search for the specific terms or even categories that they're looking for. Um, it'd always be like super neat if at the top, uh, we have all these categories that they've built out and you can basically click buttons that take you to those specific filters, right? Because in a way, those are like filters that they've created for those words. I almost feel like that would add like a nice level of like ease of discovery and like, you know, um, data cleaning to the process as well. Like just, you know, because we've been talking about cards and simplifying like pathways to different places within the app. I feel like that would be a pretty interesting uh, implementation. Some of our lists are pretty comprehensive and then other ones are more subjective, right? Like filler words, as an example, we have that list and it's like, you know, like, as. So like those are pretty objectively universally defined as filler words specifically in the English language. But uh, um, so those are, see, I think more of an opportunity for say this import, whereas then there are these other layers of categories, which are very subjective, where an import wouldn't even make sense. Um, uh, or if they make an import, they're going to have to go and clean that up because there might be things that are there that they don't want there, or there are things that are not there that they want to add. So these are the complexities and nuances of dealing with language data. But again, I'm proud to see a tool that allows people to do this, whereas in the press, this would have been a painstaking, horrible process. Um, so that, that's exciting. And it moves us towards this sort of semi-automated, quick, efficient extraction of insights from language, which is obviously what we've always rallied around. So... Basil? Just to continue on your point, <laughs> I think so we should give, because one of our bu bucket is also sort of the customized UN default and custom category. I think we should pre-populate the category, you know, as you know, we put on speak uh, to automatically import in their account if they uh, use this premium add-on, hmm. right? So that that creates the value uh, sure. upfront is like having this category pre-built in their account. It's like, if you don't like it, you have this delete button now. Turn it off, yeah. 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 And we've, and we've you know, we're, we will make the shift towards more sentence level insights and that just adds in the entirely other layer around it. So overall, lots of this core foundation there, seeing more people value the product as it is in its current state, instead of all the requests being, hey, can you do this on top? And when you have moments like that, it makes you very happy. Uh, so glad to see that continue. Look forward to continuing that with you guys. Anything uh, else that you want to chat about before we uh, uh, close this out? Oh, all good. Beautiful. Uh, yeah. yeah, kept it tight, kept it nice. Obviously, many topics that we could talk about, especially after a couple of weeks off, but I think we bucket this so we make, we got sure that we've got some juice for the next one. Uh, thanks so much. Uh, enjoy uh, the rest of the day um, for Lauren and me. I hope you get some nice weather this weekend. That's, of course, I hope you do too. That's all. Back to Canada soon. soon uh, yeah. Excited <laughs> to have us all back in Canada land. So, uh, only a few more weeks left. Yeah, so, beautiful. Yeah. All right, so looking forward back. to it. Thanks, everyone. Okay. Have a great rest of the day. Bye-bye. Okay. Sure, everyone.